Hi, and welcome to the very first Connected Parenting podcast. So in today's uh, talk, I want to really give you the background for Connected Parenting, where it came from, how it came to be, why I think it's so powerful and such a beautiful addition to your parenting repertoire. Hi, everyone. I'm Jennifer Colary. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting Weekly Podcast. Join me every week. And we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums to bedtime to sibling issues to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard. Parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. It's certainly much more of a philosophy than a strategy. Um, If you're, you know, the kind of parent where you've read everything, you've read all kinds of books, or you have a favorite model that you're currently using, um, this will not go against it. It will actually complement it, uh, but it will also stand alone as a very powerful uh, parenting method and a way to really help um, not just kids that are kind of everyday kids with regular parenting issues, but if you have a child that's what I call a gladiator, the kind of kid that throws themselves on the ground the minute they hear the word no, or is derailing family events and aggressive or, or or even violent, um, or if you have a child that's super anxious, that won't sleep alone, that um, is afraid to go into the birthday party, they're stuck to your leg, um, all of these uh, strategies that I'm going to teach you I think will really, really help. It's an interesting model, so there's a lot that you have to hear that gives you the background. So today I'm really going to give you the intro to Connected Parenting. So for those of you who are familiar with Connected Parenting, this will be um, a nice review. It's always good to hear things again and again. Um, And for those of you who are new to Connected Parenting, um, this will be the kind of foundation uh, session that you might want to listen to over and over again. And my hope with this podcast is I'll be a little bit like... uh, the therapist in your pocket. Not that this would replace actual therapy, but I have a lot of people that just say, oh, I wish you just lived in my house. So this is the closest that I can get to that. Um, So I want you to be able to listen to episodes over and over again, and we're going to try and address all kinds of parenting issues. So let's start with what connected parenting is. So it is uh, a beautiful way of parenting that really focuses on attunement and your ability to connect with your child using compassion and empathy uh, in very uh, powerful, powerful ways. So my first introduction to the idea of connected parenting came years ago when I worked at a group home. So I had finished my undergraduate degree in psychology, and I wanted to do something real, something meaningful, something where I felt like I could make a difference. And I signed up to work at this group home for street kids. Now, these were kids who were 11 to 16 years old. Um, That's pretty young, 11. And it didn't really hit me at the time because I was only in my early 20s myself. But when I look back and I think, wow, those kids were so little. They were so young. They had been through such terrible things. They had actually been working on the streets of Toronto um, as child prostitutes. They were involved in all kinds of uh, frightening, terrifying scenarios. They had all been sexually abused. They'd all been physically abused. They'd all been deeply traumatized. They were very hardened and very tough and they looked scary, but underneath they were babies. They were kids. And we were trained in this group home to be very military. You know, don't turn your back on these kids. And, you know, if you give an inch, they'll take a mile. And, you know, we were instructed to not connect with them. That was, that was our instruction. Don't get connected to them because they're not staying here very long. It was what was called a receiving home. So they were only there for three or four months before they were placed either in a foster home or a more permanent Uh, group home. And we were told, don't get connected to them because it's just going to hurt them when they leave. But 
none of that made sense to me. These are children. These are children living with strangers who've been through terrible things, who were alone, and that just didn't make any sense to me. So at night, when it was time to put them to bed, uh, most of the staff just kind of shut the door and gave them a stern warning about being quiet and going to sleep. Um, I couldn't do that. I would actually go into their room. I would sit on their beds. I would rub their backs. I would sing them lullabies. I would tell them bedtime stories. And they melted into this bedtime routine. And you have to remember, they were pretty tough during the day. They were, you know, swear words and don't get too close to me. And they were sarcastic and, and really kind of scary during the day. But at night when the teddy bears came out and the jammies came on and the makeup came off, they turned back into children. And a lot of them really treasured this time. They didn't want to talk about it the next day because it was embarrassing. Um, but you could see how much it meant to them. And there was a very strong connection there. And I noticed that the next day when it was time for me to get those kids to do the things that I needed them to do, they were much more likely to do it for me. So I saw very quickly the powerful connection between compassion and empathy and connection and compliance and trust. So I had a much easier time managing these kids the next day, um, which was which is fascinating. And a lot of the staff were like, oh, she's a bleeding heart. They're going to walk all over her. They're going to trample on her. She's going to see this isn't going to work. Um, I'm happy to tell you that didn't happen. They, they really were quite... Um, you know, they certainly had their moments. I'm not saying that they were perfect, but I had, I just felt like I had an easier time uh, working with them and getting them to do the things that they needed to do as they flowed through their day. Um, and it, and it caught the attention of other people and they, they were sort of waiting to see when it was going to fail, but it really didn't. Um, and one particular story, and I always tell this, so I'm sorry for listeners who've heard this story before, but um, it was one little girl who was very difficult. She was really tough. She was scary. We had meetings for weeks before she came to the group home around how to manage her behavior. She was quite aggressive. Um, and I was sort of terrified. Uh, but very quickly, she became one of the kids who really loved the bedtime routine. She just loved being a little kid at night. Um, you know, she pulled out her teddy bear and just softened into this, this lovely little routine. And, uh, we were only there, she was only there, I think about a week and a half. Um, and you know, I'd noticed this connection with her and she's quite easy to manage around uh, me. But the, the story that I want to tell here is I remember she was being moved to another group home. So we only crossed paths really for a little while. Um, and I remember her walking up to the car with her social worker. She stopped on the sidewalk. She turned back she walked up to the porch of the house where I was standing and put her hands on my cheeks and said, I just want to remember this face, the face of someone who actually cared about me. So I never forgot that moment. That was the moment that I knew I wanted to be a social worker. And it was also the moment that I knew that compassion and empathy and connection would be something I wanted to learn more about and that I wanted to bring um, in my own unique way to people who are struggling so after that, I uh, sort of really wanted to learn everything that I could. And I went back to school. I did my master's degree in social work. Um, and I ended up working at um, a children's mental health center, which was a great job. It was a fantastic agency. And, and the first kid that was on my caseload uh, was a pretty prickly, challenging, difficult kid, very similar to the other child that I just described to you. Um, she was something she would, uh, you know, come in for her appointments. She would trip people that walked by that were going to their appointments in the waiting room. She'd throw magazines on the ground. She plugged up the sinks in the bathroom. 
she was just a prickly um, kid who sort of developed this nasty exterior. She was going to keep people away from her. She was going to make sure that nobody could hurt her or disappoint her. She was going to she was going to hurt them before they had a chance to hurt her. And it made for a very long hour, let me tell you. And I thought that I was so compassionate and I was just able to see the good in everyone. And this kid was tough. She would find things I didn't even know that I didn't like about myself. She was that kind of child. And, oh, your teeth are crooked on the bottom and you're so skinny. How do you stand up on those skinny legs? She was something. And I kind of developed this strategy where I would honestly have to deep breathe for a few minutes before going into the room with her just to kind of center myself and uh, the same thing would happen every week I'd come in and she'd swear at me and scream at me and call me names and I want a different therapist and you're so stupid and you know what well, you come in late every week and what kind of therapist are you and I would say therapisty things that I learned in school I'd say things like well that must make you feel very angry and she would say of course it does you idiot so what I learned to do in school backfired on this child it did not work and I was at a loss. And I went back to my supervisor um, for some guidance and some help on how to manage this kid. You would think that an hour with a child like this isn't that long, but it's long. I would look at the clock and think, oh my gosh, that was only 20 minutes. I was sure it was 40 minutes. We got a lot more to go. Um, and I, it was just this, this tense kind of relationship where I was just on edge with this child and nothing that I would say would seem to work. And I was really, really struggling. And uh, my supervisor at the time uh, taught me three things that really became the, the foundation of connected parenting. The, the first thing she said to me was, you've got to go back in that room and somehow you have to find a way to tolerate that negativity. And you have to show that child something different from what the rest of the world shows her. She's ready for you to be mad or she's ready for you uh, to get triggered. Um, that's what she's expecting. So give her something else. So that sounded interesting. And the next thing she said was, you have to show that girl ruthless compassion. So I didn't know what ruthless compassion was, but I knew that it was something important. And I knew that it was something that I wanted to learn more about. I didn't know how I was going to do it. To be honest, I didn't even know if I felt like doing it, but I knew I was hearing something really profound that day. She taught me, um, quite a bit about a technique called mirroring which in future episodes I'm going to teach you because that's the foundation technique for connected parenting and the foundation technique for the whole uh, sort of parenting system at connected parenting. Um, and she, I went back. So the next week, ready, ready to deal with this child. And of course I was late because I had to deep breathe before going into the hour with her. And she started with, you're mean and I hate you and you're so stupid and blah, blah, blah. And, and what I needed to do, and this is what I will coach parents to do also, is I needed to respond to this child instead of react to this child. And that is not easy, especially when it's your own child, but it's actually really, really important. And we'll get to that in future episodes too. But um, so I took a moment and I connected with her and I mirrored to her. So before I reacted to her behavior, I responded to her. And what was happening is as I was late, she was feeling like I didn't care. She was feeling like she didn't matter, which is a feeling that was very, very familiar to her. This child had actually been the product of a rape and her mother had decided to keep her. So there were major attachment issues going on between the mom and this child. She was about, I think, 11 or 12 when I started working with her. Um, and she was used to feeling rejected. She used to tell me actually that her mother 
um, was so unable to connect with her and so distant from her emotionally that this little girl used to throw herself down the stairs at the age of four, literally tumble down the stairs just to get her mother to pick her up and show some kind of warmth and empathy. So she had developed this very prickly, very angry exterior that she was using to keep people safe. And I will go so far as to say that anyone who is really angry is hurting underneath. Usually underneath anger is tremendous sadness or shame or fear. Um, and that's what was going on with this little girl. So she was pretty difficult. So I responded instead of reacted. I looked at her and I said, you know what? This is your hour. This is your appointment. And it's really important to you. And you are never late. And you've told me two or three times that it's bothered you that I've been late. And here I am late again. And for a moment, I know that I saw tears in the corner of her eyes. There was a moment where it just, there was this incredible resonance. She felt so listened to. That was it. That's what she was trying to tell me. Even though she'd chosen this angry way of expressing herself, that was the message underneath. And that really began to change everything uh, in our relationship. So she would say things like, your teeth are so disgusting on the bottom. How can you stand that? And I would say, so you're the, like when you notice when things aren't straight, when they're not lined up and they're not where they should be, you notice that stands out for you. And instead of getting anger back, I got back, oh, well, your top teeth are really, really nice. They're really pretty. And I'm able to work with that. I can connect with that. So what started happening with this child is as I used this mirroring technique, and I'm, I'm going to break it down, I, I've actually taken that really designed it and packaged it as what I call the calm technique. So it's very prescriptive. You can follow all the steps so that you can have a really successful mirroring moment. And when you do this, some pretty amazing things happen. Opiates, endorphins, oxytocin, uh, all kinds of natural, beautiful reward chemicals flood the brain. And limbically, the limbic system is the part of the brain that tells us to be upset or angry or reactive, um, calms down. And the person settles down right in front of you. It's it's really powerful. Now, it sounds a lot easier than it is to actually do. Um, and in future episodes, I'll break it down for you. And there's also much more information in my book and on my website. Um, but that's the starting, that's the foundation technique and the easiest and the hardest thing to do about connected parenting. But it's really powerful. Um, the benefits, actually, of this uh, are it increases emotional resilience. Um it helps children to be calmer and more emotionally organized. Uh, oxytocin, which is the uh, neurotransmitter slash hormone that uh, releases when you attune and align and mirror well to another person, um, has all kinds of benefits. It uh, strengthens the immune system. It speeds up neuroplasticity. Um, it calms the brain down. Uh, it, 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 I mean, it, when you use this technique on another person, all of those wonderful benefits will bounce back uh, on your brain as well. So there's so many reasons why uh, this is a really important technique to be using. So what we do at Connected Parenting is we really go through this technique. We will break this down and I will break this down in, in future podcasts. And you may want to keep coming back and referring to this, uh, the initial few uh, weeks that we uh, talk about mirroring. Um, but it will really help and it, it'll calm your child down. It will sort of take the edge off everything, your your child who's been, you know, really anxious or really angry will suddenly just, things will roll off them a little bit better, their chin will come up, their shoulders will come back, you'll sort of be waiting and bracing yourself for a meltdown and there won't be one. Um, it really is incredibly powerful. And the bonus is you can use this on husbands, wives, 
mother-in-laws, anyone who needs to be de-escalated. So that's kind of the the beginning of what I hope will be a fantastic journey for you. And then each week we will tackle everything. We will use the foundation techniques that I'll teach. We will handle screens, sibling rivalry, temper tantrums, meltdowns, sleep issues, anxiety. We'll handle it all. And I'm looking forward to what will hopefully be an important resource for you during your parenting journey. See you next time.